Warning, this episode includes topics of murder, extreme violence, and religion that some people might find uncomfortable. Listener discretion is advised, especially for young children. On his death record, it says that John was killed by a, quote, supernatural force, end quote, and it was the first time in U.S. history that a ghost was used as the cause for death. Some of the most famous horror movies in cinematic history are actually based on true stories. I, Yeshu Pasani, and me, Arvind Raghunathan, will shed light on the true stories that inspired these terrifying movies. And we'll be investigating the question on why humans are so interested in the paranormal, and whether their imaginations are able to conjure what's not even there. There's a lot to find this season. After all, there's always more to uncover behind the story. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Season 2 of Behind the Story. I'm one of your hosts, Yeshu Pasani, a paranormal believer ready to tell what happened and why there was definitely something paranormal at play. And I'm Arvind Raghunathan, your other host, who's here to tell you about the skeptic side of the case and why all of those things we call paranormal are actually things that are being described with logic and reason. Thank you so much for coming back to another episode. But if this is the first episode of ours that you're hearing, hi, this is the podcast where we tell the true stories that inspire famous horror movies. Today, we're going to be uncovering the true story behind the movie An American Haunting. What's interesting about this episode is that there are multiple movies that cover what we're going to be talking about. Bell Witch, Bell Witch the Movie, and even The Blair Witch Project are movies that are based off the story of, as I'm sure you figured out by now, The Bell Witch. What's even more interesting about this case is that it's a legend. No one knows for sure if even any of this is real or if only parts of it are real or if all of it is fake or true. The movie I'd like to highlight for this episode, though, is An American Haunting. Though it is a questionable movie, it is one that tells the story of the Bell Witch that is more widely believed. The movie was released on May 5th, 2006, and had actors like Rachel Herdwood, Donald Sutherland, and more. The movie didn't do quite well in the box office, but is one that is based on a true story. Don't forget to leave us a message on our Anchor.fm website with any questions, comments, or just anything you would like us to know. And follow us on Instagram at Behind the Story with a period between the I and N, and on Twitter at Behind the Story with an underscore between the I and N. Also, this season we are donating all funds that we make from our episodes to the AAPI, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, to fight against anti-Asian hate crimes because no one deserves to live in fear just based on their race. And now, let's learn about the legend of the Bell Witch. Now, as we said before, it's important to remember that this story is technically a legend. There are different versions of the story, so the one that we are going to be telling today might be different than the one that you have heard. Some of it could be true, all of it could be true, or, you know, all of it could be fake. But the legend of the Bell Witch starts off with the move of a farmer and his family. John Bell, along with his wife, Lucy Williams Bell, and his six children moved from their home in North Carolina to a farm in the northern Robertson County of Tennessee in 1804. Specifically, the family moved along the Red River area, which is near modern-day Adams, Tennessee. Their farm had 320 acres of farmland, and for the first 13 years, everything was great, and it was peaceful. The the family participated in the Red River Baptist Church, and during their years on the farm, they became somewhat prosperous. 
Now, there's another family that moved to Tennessee from North Carolina, and they were the Batts family. The patriarch of the house, Frederick Batts, got into a farming accident that left him disabled. In order to make ends meet, they had to sell parts of their farm. And who did they sell it to? John Bell. Now, Frederick had a wife named Kate, and she was devastated when she found out that the, that the farm was being sold. She accused John of taking advantage of their family and swore that one day she would get her revenge. Now, John wanted to purchase a slave. However, she was a young girl, so John decided to let the girl stay with her mother until she was older. So when this girl, this girl became a little bit older, John came back and he picked her up. However, the girl was older so she could do more things and she could work better, so her price value went up and John would have to pay more. But he had already paid for her all those years ago, and so he didn't want to pay more money. This is where the big conflict starts between the Bell family and the Bats family. The Bat family believed that John is just someone who was looking to rip people off and he didn't care about anything or anyone. The Bats started talking really bad things about the Bell family and word traveled around the town. Like, it's Tennessee, guys. Word gets around fast. People that once respected them no longer liked them and their reputation was getting tarnished. The Bell family, including most of the townspeople, didn't like or had suspicions about the new head of the Bats house, Kate. She was a strong woman who was basically the lead of her house now that her husband was paralyzed. And we know from history, both past and present, that no one likes a strong woman in power. Kate was involved in her own family's finances and businesses, which the people didn't like even more, and it was said that she was loud and controlling. Kate was also accused of practicing witchcraft, which you know from our last episode is an accusation that comes to women who are, in their times, basically feminists. There were even rumors that Kate had casted a spell on her husband that made him paralyzed. Now, in the summer of 1817, John Bell goes hunting out on his farm when he encounters something he's never seen before. He describes it as almost a large dog with the head of a rabbit and it was covered in black fur. He shot the creature and it fell to the ground and when he went to go see what he shot, the creature was gone. Things started acting up in the house after this encounter. They heard a lot of knocking on doors and the walls of the house sometimes seeing strange animals out there, out on their windowsills. They also heard a lot of what sounded like stones being dropped on the floor and sounds of chains moving through the house, gulping and choking noises and rats gnawing on bedposts. Soon they started hearing sounds that were coming from inside the house. For a year, the family tried to ignore everything that happened, but soon it went past just sounds and started becoming physical. Their 14-year-old daughter, Betsy, one day woke up in the middle of the night to hear scratching on her bedpost and bed frame. She also found that all of her limbs were tied up. Her hair was literally tied against the bedpost, her legs and arms tied to the sides of the bed, and some unforeseen force started slapping and abusing her. When John and Lucy came into her room, they saw her face all red and bloodied and a terrified look in her eyes. The other kids in the house started experiencing strange things too, most notably the sounds of rats scurrying in their rooms and on their beds. John Bell started having symptoms of his throat and tongue becoming numb almost to the point where he couldn't eat. He also reported the feeling of a stick being stuck, being stuck sideways down his throat. His family was terrified. John Bell confessed to his neighbor, James Johnson, everything that was happening to the family. He invited Mr. and Mrs. Johnson to stay the night in the house, where they got to witness several strange things occur, like all of the strange sounds they had been hearing so, so far. Mr. Johnson encouraged John to report what was happening to him to the people in the town. As we see in cases of haunted houses, people were coming in from miles and miles away to hear and see the strange things that were happening in the Bell House. 
The Bell family decided that prayer would be their savior, and they prayed and prayed, hoping that the instances would stop. They ended up becoming worse. The family would now see animals, mostly birds in their house, and someone even reported seeing a donkey that could talk. Betsy one day went out for a walk and saw a girl in a green dress hanging from her arms on a tree. James Johnson continued investigating the house as everything was occurring and came to a shocking discovery. One day, James asked the spirit who it was and why it was here, and the force responded with the name Kate. The story of the Bell family started becoming so widely known that future American president, Andrew Jackson, at the time just an army general, decided that he needed to see the house for himself. Andrew took a group of his men with plans to stay in the house. When, th when their wagon was pulled up to the house, the wheels mysteriously broke and disappeared. It was then that Andrew declared that the house was haunted by a witch and even claimed that he heard a voice speak to him. It is reported that Andrew Jackson said that he would rather face the entire British army than stay in the Bell House for more than a day. Lucy started getting ill and it was said that Kate, the actual woman Kate, came to visit Lucy, but no one ever saw the woman actually enter. Kate would leave nuts and berries for Lucy, who ended up getting better and says it was because of Kate. John, however, was getting worse. And on December 20th, 1820, he was found dead. It is believed that Kate, as in Kate in spirit form, poisoned John. On his death record, it says that John was killed by a, quote, supernatural force, end quote, and it was the first time in U.S. history that a ghost was used as the cause for death. After he died, all of the haunting stopped, so it is believed that Kate got what she wanted. John Bell was dead. In 1821, Betsy is walking on the farmlands when she sees the same girl in the green dress who is hanging from the tree. Betsy was engaged to Joshua Gardner, but the girl in the, who's hanging from the trees told Betsy not to marry him, and she was so scared by it that she called off the engagement. Now, the correlation between Kate the person and Kate the spirit slash witch thing that was haunting the Bell family is still wisely unknown. Obviously, people believe that Kate the person was or created the entity that haunted the Bell family, which is why it was also named Kate. However, there are some beliefs that Kate Bats was dead long before the hauntings even started, which others, while well, others believe that she was alive at the time. There was still reported paranormal activity happening in the area of the house and the land that was still owned by the Bell family for a long time, till 1935 when it was torn down and the land is just land. But what happened to the Bell Witch or Kate? It is widely believed that the spirit never left the area, but instead of inhabiting the house or just, you know, the land, it now inhabits a nearby cave. You can actually tour the cave, but there is one important rule. Do not take anything. It's reported that the man took a rock from the cave once, and when he went home, he lost his job, lost his home, and his wife died. A person who lives in Tennessee, who is an ancestor of John Bell, believes that it was the Bell witch who poisoned John Bell to this day. And now, before we go to Arvin's part, let's take a quick break and hear about our sponsor. All right, so now it's time for me to show you what really happened, because, of course, nothing paranormal was going on there. So let's start with my theory. My theory for the Bell Witch is that in the beginning, there's a lot of things happening. The bats were messing with the bells, and then the lying and confusion begin to set. So as he actually said, in the beginning, the bells began to hear knocking and noises from the outside of the house. I feel like this was caused by the bats, as they knew the house pretty well, so they could probably find places to frighten the bells. Now, I don't think that the rats were anything supernatural. They're simply just rats who got in the house and started scratching at the posts or scratching at the walls. Or, you know, just simple things that rats normally do. So next, the sounds from inside the house. 
touching on our topic from the season, my theory from this is that the Bells were so frightened from that the bats' trickery that they started seeing signs of the paranormal everywhere. Because as we've talked about, when you see some, when you uh, see something paranormal, or you think you see something paranormal, you'll start looking for it everywhere, and then therefore you'll start seeing it everywhere. So this is where I think the lying began. Think about this: the Bells had just bought a farmhouse and at least one slave, and their reputation was completely destroyed by the bats. Similar to Poltergeist and The Conjuring, it appears that the Bell family began to make up stories about their, quote, haunting. After, after all, children are the ones who are supposedly begin to see all of these hauntings first, but in the stories to come later, the descendants of the family always talk about how Kate the Spirit protected and played with the kids, especially little girls, so it makes no sense that Betsy would have been attacked. There's been speculations by descendants of the Bells that Betsy was actually abused by another family member, but nothing has been confirmed there, so we're not entirely sure about that. Next, they invite the neighbors to see for themselves what's happening. If you're really haunted, that makes no sense, unless you're trying to win people's trust over and have them believe you're truly haunted. The neighbors also only heard noises and did not see anything, something the rest of the Bells could have easily faked, especially because the neighbors were on the lookout for anything paranormal. Next, the Bells, specifically John, who I believe was the mastermind, realized this was a golden opportunity to pin the blame on those they believed to ruin their reputation, the Bats. John Bell said the ghost was Kate, and of course, everyone would think that the previous owner of the house, who many believed to be a witch, would be at fault. It's not even confirmed whether Kate was still alive or dead at that point, like Yeshvi said. Following this was Andrew Jackson. Now, not to disrespect the former president or any other politicians, but politicians really know how to convince people to believe something. And I know he was only a general at the time, but he was very influential even then, and he was close to running for president. Also, if a bunch of people say a house was haunted and a public figure disagrees with them, it's going to cause some confusion as to who's telling the truth. However, if Jackson had agreed with the stories of paranormal events, which he was probably looking for as, you know, the theme of the season, then it looks more like a truth that even the, the respected general can back up. It's odd that he said he would face an entire army of oppressors then go back into that house for after only one day, when many had stayed for longer, showing signs that he was probably exaggerating or lying. There's very compelling evidence that the Bell, uh, the, the Bell Witch saving Lucy was false, because in an interview for an article with AP News' Cassandra Stevenson in 2018, Lucy Butler, a descendant of the Bells who was actually named after Lucy Bell, said that, quote, it was pretty interesting because things did happen and we would just naturally turn and say, oh, the Bell Witch did that, end quote. Therefore, Lucy just got better and everyone said it was because of the Bell Witch because, again, going back to our theme for this season, if you keep thinking that something paranormal is going to happen, you're going to see it everywhere. So everyone is looking for something that the Bell Witch is trying to tell them or the Bell Witch doing something. So if anything happens to any of the Bells, everyone's going to assume, oh, it's the Bell Witch doing it. Finally, John Bell's death. Bell's affliction was more like, most likely a neurological disorder. Very little was known about such disorders in the early 19th century, and few treatment options were available. Although the Scottish anatomist Sir Charles Bell, I don't think he's related, discovered a neurological disorder that yielded symptoms almost identical to those displayed by John Bell at the onset of his affliction. As he was the ringleader of these false claims, the reports of the Bell Witch began to stop after his death. As for the cave, that's just people trying to hold on to the story and have it to continue even longer, to have the legend keep on going forever. And now, we come to 
arguably the most exciting parts of our episode where Arvin and I really go at it and try <laughs> to come to some kind of hope, you know, as I would want it, paranormal conclusion. Or skeptic um, conclusion. What'd you say? Or skeptic conclusion. Yeah, but like, I don't want it to be that. So. <laughs> okay. This case, I wanted to do right after we did our last episode, which was called The Witches. We had a special guest on on our episode who taught us a lot about witchcraft back in, you know, like the early days and whatever. And so this is technically about a witch. I have things to say about that, though. But I wanted it to be right after so we could still remember the whole idea of what witchcraft was like and how people were accused versus, you know, people who were afflicted. My whole take on this, though... I personally believe that Kate Batts had absolutely nothing to do with the Bell family. And I think it's one of those things where it's like everybody, you know, to this day hates a woman in power. And it's unheard of in like a small town like they were from, you know, by this Red River in Tennessee, that a woman would be controlling the whole farm and her inheritance and her kids' inheritance um, and all those types of things. So when people when people see something different, something new, they their first response is to not like it. And so I think that's what caused them to create the rumors that Kate was into witchcraft, because I personally don't think she was. What I do think was happening to the Bell Witch, haha, <laughs> Arvind, is I think that there was a poltergeist at play. I think um, we have an episode where we talked about the true story behind the movie Poltergeist, which you should definitely go listen to. Um, uh, and we talked about things that happened. And I think they are pretty similar. In my opinion, I think there was no witch or, you know, whatever that was um, afflicting the girls. It was a poltergeist. So what is a poltergeist? Well, first, ghosts are spirits of people who have passed. You know, they're the apparitions that you see in the living room. And sometimes they're able to speak, sometimes they're not. But they're mostly the things that cause the temperature changes and the smells and whatever. Demons are the really aggressive, malevolent spirits who act at things and want to, harm, and want to cause harm on people. You know, they feed off of emotional energy like fear or anger. And then they can manifest themselves into things to commit literal harm and literal e- evil. But a poltergeist, now poltergeist directly translates to noisy ghost. And it's something that's able to bite or pinch or attack or harass the living. So what it does is it harnesses energy to move or throw things. And, you know, it can obviously cause noises like the other two can as well. And they, they're they known to be active kinetic energy that can cause physical disturbances. And so based on all of that, I think it's not a ghost or demon that the bells Bell family had. I think it's a poltergeist, which explains how Betsy gets attacked, though Arvin does raise a very interesting thing about the possibility of Betsy being abused by another family member. That was interesting. Yeah, so I definitely agree that if it's haunted, which it's not, I mean, it's obviously pointing towards a poltergeist because if Kate was dead or if she wasn't, Kate is long gone from here. Kate is no longer involved once she left. Kate is definitely gone. It's just they needed a scapegoat, so they pinned it, they pinned it on someone that everyone thought could be supernatural. But the uh, the difference between our old episode on Poltergeist and this is that in Poltergeist, the so-called Poltergeist was so much more violent. Like, I, if I remember correctly, it dropped a giant dress around people. Yeah. Whereas true. here, we see mostly just noise, just knocking here and there, some a little bit of noise here, things that could easily be made up or just 
uh, things that you think might happen. There's a point I I thought of as you said your part, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is applicable here. It's actually something that we focus a lot in our season finale episodes. I'm not going to tell you what movie we're going to be covering, guys, but make sure you come because it's it's kind of related to this. But it's this whole idea of so these Bell, the Spell family, and the Bats family have been fighting specifically John versus Kate, and so John wants any sort of leverage against Kate almost, and so if he starts hearing about the townspeople say that Kate is practicing witchcraft, he can get it in his head enough to almost create a poltergeist. I wonder if that's going to be a hint, actually, for any of our listeners. The word create a poltergeist, will you guys figure out the movie we're covering for the finale. But anyways, um, you know, he he's almost creating a, a spirit with the name of Kate. Like, he's creating Kate just spiritually and it, it, you know, it makes his imagination so strong. But I think the question with that theory is how come the rest of the family is affected by it, too? So it's not just John who's making this up. Obviously, it's the rest of the Bells, too. It's, it's the exact same way as um, it's not just the two parent Pirins in the first Conjuring. It's all of them participating somewhat. But I'm sure it's John kind of telling them what to do. He's the patriarch of the family. They listen, they listen to him. It's olden days. Yeah, right. you all listen to the one in charge. Um, he made it based off Kate, uh, just as we talked about in our last episode about the witches, accused versus afflicted. You know, if he accuses Kate, then he becomes the afflicted. Then it automatically makes him seem like, oh, I'm possessed. She's the evil one. She did all of this to me. I'm, a, I'm completely innocent. That is a very good point, actually. That is a good point. I think, though... I guess if the whole family's in on it, right? Like I'm kind of just envisioning the entire Bell family around a campfire. And then John Bell is like, did you hear what they said about Kate? And then one of the kids is like, what did they say about Kate? And then, you know, John feeds his family so well, this whole theory of Kate being a witch, which then I guess, you know, if multiple people basically manifest a spirit into existence, they're bound to believe it, right? Exactly. Hence our entire question for the season. Can humans create something? Humans are powerful things. <laughs> Human minds are powerful. That, uh, they, they do have powerful minds. I think that is something that's possible. But the reason I stray away from them creating something and they're actually being a real poltergeist is because the rest of these kids besides Betsy, you know, they heard noises, they heard knocking, they heard things, but they didn't really get the full front of everything. And poltergeists are known to target people. You know, they just... they the thing about spirits is they want to go after the weakest person. And while John might have been, you know, this big patriarch and whatever, he might not have been as, he might not have been as strong as we know. And Betsy is, you know, this young girl, she's, she's innocent. She's easy to harm almost. Right. But even with the poltergeist, we can see that they have some sentient, um, they, they, they have sentient minds, right? Like with the previous poltergeist, they could knock and they could get answers from the poltergeist. It's just the fact that um, with our previous episode, that one just attacked whoever was weakest because that's what it wanted to do. However, with Kate, she just wants to get John. She's, you know, with the supposed Kate's ghost. Her objective is just to get John. That's why she was always so nice to the other one. She was nice to the woman. She was nice to the children. Lily was um, one of her top three of the favorites, apparently, which is why, like I said earlier, it makes no sense she would attack Betsy or it makes no sense she would attack any of the children. John would have been her only target. And Lily is one of the Bell family kids. Uh, no, Lily's the wife, isn't she? Or did I get the name wrong? Lucy. 
Lucy. Lucy, yeah, I know Lucy. <laughs> Lucy okay. There we go. I was like, I was like, I remember hearing about a Lily. <laughs> yeah, no, I meant Lucy. Lucy then. Yeah. Right. Yeah, when, when she gets sick. Something else I want to make sure I remember to bring up is the whole thing about, well, why would they invite the neighbors? Arvind, Conjuring Part 2. That family, the Hodgsons, I believe was their name. They go to their neighbors and their neighbors stay with them because that was how they were going to get the press to believe them. That exactly. That's exactly what my it. point is. But then that means there was a real haunting. No, but they brought the neighbors in to gain the trust. They brought them in to expand the story. But their the neighbors story. didn't believe them at first. And then they brought their neighbors in to stay for, like, I don't remember how long it was, but they stayed, I think, for a while. And their neighbors only were like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. But neighbors, the neighbors only heard scratching, which, like I said, could have been caused by the rats. They heard knocking, which could have been honestly caused by John Bell sitting in a room knocking on a window somewhere or something, like, literally anything. They what? never saw anything. Nothing ever happened to them. If it goes with your theory that John Bell is this mastermind who wants to, I guess, get back at the bats, why does he die in the end? That's what that's what I brought in by, um, he, at the same time, he had a neurological disorder and he didn't know, no one knew. Because but, in the 19th century, they, they, how were they supposed to know about a neurological disorder? They had nothing to look at that. He's poisoned. They find poison. I think that is a complete coincidence. The poison next to him, no one found it in him. Like, they had no test to confirm that he ingested that poison. They found poison in a bottle next to him. And the only way that they confirmed that was poison was by, quote, throwing it into the fire and seeing blue smoke. I'm calling total BS on oh all Oh, my of gosh. That. Oh, other thing I read, I guess this kind of helps your case a little bit more. But, you know, we'll share information. One other theory... Um, it's not very strong. So that's why I didn't want to say it that much. But it's um, that the slaves they had poisoned John Bell. I saw that theory as well. I don't know. There's not too much evidence right? about it. Yeah. Because I then, like, I mean, you'd see something, some evidence. I just feel like, sure. Like, okay, both John and Lucy get sick. But Lucy gets better. And then it's this whole idea that if if John Bell had a neurological disorder, what? I don't, I guess, I don't get, I don't understand how he would die in the end. Either, you know, he takes his own life. And then I guess that could explain the poison, right? He poisons himself. That could be a theory. Yeah. What I find really interesting, though, is how the the descendants of John Bell believe that Kate poisoned him. And I think the reason also why the whole theory of John maybe poisoning himself is a little bit off is because hauntings totally stop after he dies right which leads us to believe that this that this entity this this entity's main you know target was john right but if the patriarch of your family who's been making you know all of these things telling you hey hey go go knock on that window a bit scare the press a little bit you know and then he dies are you gonna really continue the story are you gonna forcefully forcibly continue it and then about the descendants continuing the story if your family is known so famous across the entire country, the entire world, for this one thing, I mean, it's going to get in your head a bit that it's true, isn't it? You're not going to want, like, you're, you're not going to physically want to disprove it. That's true. But then we see this spirit inhabit the cave. And the spirit in the cave goes, yeah, my name is Kate, you know? Like, like the spirit has, has claimed itself to be the same spirit that was in the Bell family house. And so that has to be a thing if it's now haunting this cave. 
So about the cave. In our okay. previous poltergeist, connecting to the poltergeist again, after right. that poltergeist achieved what it wanted to, it fully disappeared. No more, right? Right. But with this one, she's achieved her goal, apparently, if this is actually Kate, of killing John Bell if she actually poisoned him. So why wouldn't she go rest? Why is she going to go into a cave and continue her hauntings, curse anyone who takes anything from her cave or anything like that? I think it's just people who want to continue on the legend because things have stopped, you know? People always want to continue on the paranormal, so they'll literally just make things up to try to continue the legend. Well, then maybe it's not a poltergeist. Maybe it is a ghost. I definitely don't think it's a, de- it's a demon. I don't think there was a demonic presence there. I think maybe I could have just been a ghost. Maybe it could have just been an angry ghost, like an angry spirit. I just think it's kind of, I just think, you know, when this whole cave thing, you can go, you can visit the cave. I um, I referenced them in our last episode too. And I apologize to Ghost Adventures for saying your name wrong. I said Ghost Encounters. It's Ghost Adventures. But they also did an episode in um, the cave, as many a paranormal hunters have done. And so there's actual things, especially with that guy who takes the rock and then his wife dies. That's another thing. Why would he kill the wife? Why, 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 why would she kill the wife? Why would the poltergeist kill the wife if that really is true? Well, here's a very interesting thing that kind of, in a way, just a little bit goes against the bell, but goes for this guy I don't know the name of. Poltergeists tend to prefer women to men, right? So if this is a poltergeist, it helps Lucy, which is kind of counterintuitive, and then it kills John. But in the case of this guy, it kills his wife, and it leaves him, you know, like, alive. Right. I mean, I think this can be pretty similar to what we said in our Annabelle about those two people on the motorbike, where it's like, if you're thinking about it, it's going to happen. I don't know about the whole job and that stuff, because um, I don't know. I haven't seen too much evidence about it or any, any specifics about it, because no one really writes about this random guy who took a stone from a cave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. There's not much evidence for either either one of our sides. I know, but I think the reason I also want to label it as a poltergeist, this is, I think, one of the episodes we're we're referencing other episodes the most, because Conjuring 2 was about the Einfeld poltergeist. That was a poltergeist itself. The interesting thing about poltergeists is how easy they are to almost make up in a way, like how easy it is to to make yourself think that you have a poltergeist in your house because it's not a demon or a ghost, which are in a way more like solid things. Like you can see an apparition of a demon or a ghost. You don't really see apparitions of poltergeists. And something else about poltergeists is that emotional stress can cause them. But I find that kind of weird to think in this instance, because why would the bells be stressed? Like, sure, maybe the reputation was going down a well or whatever, but they had a lot of land and they had a lot of money. Like they But were as a farmer, well even a farmer in a small town with no reputation, who's going to buy your products? But a farmer in a small town still with 320 acres of good farmland. But don't I mean, even sell, if you don't can produce... Don't sell in Tennessee. He's in northern Tennessee. He can go up to a state above him. Like, I mean, even if you produce like 320 carrots, if no one buys them, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? He could go up. He could sell them to somebody else. Especially as Arvin, you only love the whole idea of bringing the press in for money because of something paranormal. If this, if people are coming to see this house, they're going to be interested in John. And then John will be like, this is a great time to sell my 320 carats to you. That's exactly. But how is he going to get the press to his house? 
Well, they come to the house, remember? Like, like word right. gets around, he tells the town people, then But they that's come. because word gets around. That's because this poltergeist happens. That's right, why so he made it up. the poltergeist has brought people to John's house, including former president Andrew Jackson. Exactly. That's a lot is, of people to buy his carrot. Which is, <laughs> which is, I think, the most interesting thing that Andrew Jackson comes to his house. Like, when I read that, I was like, really? This guy came? And he chick- he he gets scared. He chickens out. Yeah, given that on he was a general at the time, fighting in the War of eighteen twelve. Right, and he he couldn't handle the Bell family, which is which is it's so interesting. Maybe this poltergeist just really didn't like Andrew Jackson. Maybe it didn't. I mean, to be fair, they didn't like patriarchs or big strong men, right? I mean, that's kind of what Andrew Jackson and his uh his group were, weren't they? In a way, I'm almost thinking again, like, oh my gosh, they didn't like patriarchs. What if it was Kate? And Kate was just like, yeah, <laughs> feminism. Yeah. Get it straight. Maybe it was Kate then. We come full circle. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this very interesting story, and we would love to hear your thoughts on it by leaving a message on our anchor.fm website. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you come back for the rest of season two because our mission still needs to be solved. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Behind the Story with a period between the I and N and on Twitter at Behind the Story with an underscore between the I and N. We hope you have a great week. And remember, there's always more to uncover behind the story. See you next time.